there's this great great image of this bloke for getting ready for his morning commute and he's hopped into the bathtub and he's got his headphones in and his backpack on and he's holding on to the shower rail as if it's one of those <laughs> things for the train. He's just there to go and, yep, good. And he waits That's 10 great. minutes and then just hops off like, oh, good. It's great. Great journey. Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life. Conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. That line which we wrote some time ago now is getting wilder and wilder to say every week, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful is going to be interesting. Today's show is about coping with COVID. Uh, Not so much one topic as all of the kind of issues to do with being shut in and dealing with the over overshadowing uh, threat, if you like, of the virus, but also just getting on with daily life. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Renee Cole-Ryan, Professor in Philosophy at the University of Notre Dame. Welcome, Hello, Renee. Peter. And Cormac McCann, uh, co-host now. He's been on regularly enough to be called that. Um, welcome, Cormac. Elevated to the A-team. Thank you. <laughs> well done. He's elevated to the A-team. He's up on the batting list. So Sorry, I was accused, I was accused five, recently but, uh, of being of being on the B-team, so I just thought I'd put it out there. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, right. <laughs> in, in, in jest, in jest, all among friends. But there you go. It's now, just okay. for the record, uh, in case any policemen are listening, we are at safe distance from each other, quite some distance, in fact. We're all recording from our own homes. Um, and so we are compliant, at least in this sense. Um, before we get started, just a reminder that if you like the show, you should subscribe on your podcast app. We do broadcast these weekly, and so staying in touch is a good way to make sure you don't miss an episode. Let's get into it. Coping with COVID. Cormac, tell us about how your you in your work life and family life have coped with the changes. We've actually loved it, to be honest. I mean, I, I maybe I feel... It's terrible saying that because obviously the situation we're in is unprecedented and it's having such, you know, devastating, far-reaching impacts, not just in our own, you know, communities, but across the world. But from a personal standpoint anyway, I mean, I used to, on a normal day, would have to commute, you know, from the Blue Mountains into the Sydney CBD every day. Uh, I now get all that time back and uh, pouring that into your family time where fixing up our backyard we're about to get some chickens and put them in the back um except there's a fun story on that because there's apparently been a a spike in australia of the purchase of chickens and so no one has chickens anywhere <laughs> because everyone wants to be sustainable and and but and i'll put it out there i had this idea months ago to put in our chicken i was just <laughs> not very I was just not very motivated to get it done faster. And then now I just look like I'm copying everyone. So that's my my sad story. But yeah, yeah right. overall, I think it's been... Uh, so we, you need we a just t-shirt really, that says, really well. I was in the chickens before it was cool. Yeah, I don't want to walk around with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that was. <laughs> but yeah, loving it. So that's what you love about it? You've got chickens and everyone else has? or We don't actually have the chickens yet. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, there, there is a delay in the supply chain. However, uh, I think the, the main benefit has been that I can uh, you know, take a quick break and take the dog for a walk. I can take run around and muck around with the kids for 10 minutes between meetings. I can uh, actually end up, I think, work more productively because there's just more incentive to get out and, and, and 
spend more time with my family or do other things that I can do. So uh, I actually quite like it. I'm actually breaking up my day with different activities too. So uh, in the mornings, I'm getting to read a little bit of uh, political philosophy, which I really enjoy ah. getting my, my teeth into. It's kind nice. of like one of those first loves that you used to be what I would do on the train, for example, but now I can find time of doing it in the peace of my own home. So overall, there are, yeah, I think the pros outweigh the the cons so far, but we'll you know check in with me in another week after this lockdown and I'll tell you how yeah. I feel. Fair enough. What about you, Renee? We've been coping. Um, I see pros and cons. I had not appreciated actually how active I am. I always think of myself as this philosopher slob who just sort of sits around and does stuff. But just actually, for me, the commute involves quite a bit of work walking, and I'm not doing that. I also and I see you rushing between meetings, Renee, at work. I know. You, you I never run up and down stairs, and like you know, like my stairmaster is now gone. Our beautiful staircase in Moorgate that everyone else complains about because it's too steep. That's actually my exercise, and also I pace when I lecture, so I really miss that, and I really miss my students, and I really miss my colleagues. So, feeling really privileged. There are lots of realies in there, sorry, um, but I'm feeling very privileged to have this family time. So, like Cormac, I'm I'm really happy about that. Uh, we've got we've got beautiful kids here, and they're all the the schools have been great with online learning. Um, so that's been actually something really good to watch, and it's really it, it is very nice to have a different kind of schedule. Things have slowed down a little bit in some ways, but I have to say the days are pretty packed and uh, with work and going by pretty quickly in that respect. I can just see that my kids are missing their friends. Um, they yeah. are missing just yep. being able to get out of the house and run wild on a playground. This, you know, they go out with their mum in the morning, a selection of them, and we do a bit of a walk <laughs> for about half an hour, which has been very valuable for me at least. Yep. Um, it's so not we, enough. We've had the same or similar issues here because um, uh, we've got eight kids, and they're in a house that's four bedroom house, and you know there's a reasonable, you know, ten people in the one house means you've got to um, manage the spaces very carefully, and we've got a reasonable size backyard, which is good. And we just not about a month before it all hit, we had a, a big trampoline put in. So there's a there's a natural sort of on the spot exercise thing, especially for the young fella. But they're doing they're doing their schoolwork reasonably enough. Um, it's more about the friends. So they have a, yeah. a, a like an online play date one night a week with with a bunch of friends where they zoom into each other and have a really just a from what the sound of it last night very silly time together and um, and we're trying to manage that the older ones one of my girls was about to go for a license she should have had it by now but they've cancelled all those sorts of things and so her plan was to be independent and this was the whole looking forward to this time. And um, she's having to hold off until we get out again. So that's that's quite frustrating for her. And yeah. I suspect there's a lot of people like that who are in that independent free stage where they want to get out and about and and really value the friendship context. I have to say, Renee, I've I've um, enjoyed not being on the train for two and a half hours a day. Yeah. The teaching schedule has been more or less the same because I'm putting about the same amount of effort and time into all my lectures as I did before. There's a little bit of a a bit more work in getting it online. But generally speaking, that side of it's been quite rewarding. 
Um, the fact that admin staff can't find me is also rewarding because it means <laughs> there's a whole lot of things that I would normally be be interrupted with, and and I now I uh, get a lot more done. But I'm finding I'm overworking because my response to uh, anxiety is usually to work harder, and uh, I'm finding I'm working way too much. And my family have been telling me, "Hey, you know, you already have a problem with overwork, so uh, why don't you uh, take some time off?" And I'm. <laughs> I think you should adopt my stress pattern instead, which is to bake more. To bake more? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you, you've seen the pictures online, Renee, of, of Susie's bake, my wife's Yeah, baking. that's right. You're pretty She's steep amazing. competition there. She is and amazing. And then when I made, when she was in hospital once and I made my son's, I think it was his 13th or 14th birthday cake, it's it's now a legend in our household for how crap it was. Oh, like, it was just utterly, harsh. utterly bad. I mean, Susie actually cooked the cake, so the cake was edible. <laughs> but I, I did all the decoration and icing, and it looked like this just – I tried to make this nice chocolate-looking cake, and what it ended up with is a kind of a, a vaguely light brown blob <laughs> with, with What are those epic fail kind of cakes? It's so bad that it's good. It, it, it's legendary. I should show you a picture <laughs> of it one time, but it was it was so bad. And so whenever I suggest that I'm going to cook, they all go – do you mean you're going to go to Hungry Jack's? Like in in this hopeful tone, Daddy's cooking tonight. Is that Hungry Jack's? But yes. So yeah, I, I can cook, but uh, yeah, that that would be interesting. Hmm. I used to play computer games, but I just don't have time for that anymore. I'm just finding screen time. It's just too much screen time at the moment. Yes, that's actually something we we had a. We had a meeting earlier today and I asked the theologians to stay online to give me a bit of like practical support advice because I really find mass online quite difficult or mass on a screen quite difficult because it just sort of feels like yet another thing I'm doing on a flat screen. And I was thinking mm. about it the other day. It was kind of like um, I was talking with a friend and she said that she was finding it really hard that the only contact she could have with her three-year-old granddaughter was via Zoom or via Skype or something. And a three-year-old doesn't really understand that. A three-year-old doesn't understand that Nan's on the screen. She wants a cuddle. And I kind of felt like that was the same thing. For me, going to Mass isn't about watching. It's actually about being in the church and being with the community. And it's kind of like a cuddle. <laughs> and there's no, like, we, we, can't, we can't have that at the moment. Um, and I'm, I'm finding that probably, I think I can cope with just about everything else. But not being able to be physically present at mass is pretty bad. Yeah. One thing I've noticed, I don't know about you, Cormac, but um, lots of people are talking about all the extra time they've got now that, you know, and and when I'm complaining about how much work I'm doing, um, I, I'm very much aware that I'm in a privileged position, that I have a job, that um, I mean, I have the privilege of being with a family too, and, and it's it's frustrating trying to find some personal space in a house this small. But there are people who are alone, and and people who are who are suffering a great deal in their mental health, um, not being with the ones they love. There's a meme going around where it starts. I think I mentioned this in another show, but there's a meme going around where they ask someone, option A, you can be locked up with your family for three weeks, or option B, and then as, before they even say what option B is, the people go B be <laughs> so but i would i like being with my family uh, i'm very privileged to have a family to be with whatever the the struggles and strains are um i i i think that there are people doing it tougher if they're alone they might have lots of peace and quiet to themselves but they're starting to suffer 
Yeah, I, I certainly do know a, a number of, of people who've lost work uh, and it's made me realise how incredibly, incredibly you know, blessed I am to have a job at this time, to not be one of those really unfortunate people who's either been either had their job put on hold or made redundant or their business has collapsed or they're on the brink of collapse and all the anxiety and the stress I'm sure would far outweigh whatever discomfort I would feel from being cooped up with my family for a few weeks. And to have that as perspective, I think is really um, a useful thing to keep in mind when we uh, at can so often do, I think in a very, um, at a very materially comfortable existence that we used to living in um, to, to, to often complain when things aren't quite as comfortable as we'd like them to be to really realize that in this particular time there's a lot of people who have been um, put in, you know really uh, put really into the fire and uh, there's a, a really interesting uh, story that's just making uh, doing the rounds in Australian media a couple of days ago uh, where uh, a bloke who runs a restaurant in Melbourne um, I don't know if you guys saw this story but uh, he runs a restaurant it seems to be fairly successful he might be in his late 40s early 50s perhaps uh, and he uh, drove on his way to work to see uh, the queues of people out the front of the, the Centrelink um, the the human services building to apply for uh, the the dole or financial assistance. Um, while and all the and he realised all these people were a mix of young and old, and all of them pretty much having lost work. And I remember seeing a similar queue out uh, near the local um, human services building near where I live, and the queue was just immense. And I was just just shocked at you know how quickly overnight such a massive transformation could take place yeah. to impact so many people. And this guy drove, instead of to work, drove straight to his local bank, withdrew the maximum amount of cash that he could, drove back to the Centrelink line, started at the back, and handed what he calls a lettuce leaf or a $100 note to each person along wow. the line. And he said, you guys just need something to tie you over. Buy it buy some groceries for your family. I don't know what it is that you might need. But he went and he started at the back and he went down that his whole long queue of people and just wow. said, you, don't, you just need help. And he said, if we all, you know, the, the, those of us who have and have a, that little bit more, if we're able to, you know, give, what is it, 10% or less or just something like that to help everyone else who all of a sudden doesn't have, we, you know, if we can help them cope and survive, that we'll all get through this. We'll all get through yeah. this a lot stronger. So I, th it's yeah, also I the neighbours thing is a big deal. Like uh, keeping track of people who can't get out or perhaps don't have access to things. But let, let let's move on a little bit and move into the kinds of things that keep us sane in these times. We've been whinging for a long time, Renee, between us that we we wish we had the time to sit. You know, the my dream sci-fi scenario is that someone stops time and I just get to read all the books that I've always wanted to read and then come back. We're in a situation now where we're theoretically at least, um, a lot of the external distractions aren't there and we have an opportunity to do that. But what I've been noticing is that a lot of people are getting into free-to-air television and it, <laughs> they're finding out how bad the whole they're idea. They're blowing of, it. They're blowing the opportunity. That's exactly right. Ah, oh, shocking. <laughs> There's so we much We did get a better television, though. I'm, I'm in that category. Ours was about <laughs> to blow. And oh, really? One of our sons said, you know what, Mum, I don't know what I would do if I was in the middle of a Star Trek episode 
and all of a sudden the television broke, what would I do? And I thought, <laughs> and we better get another TV. <laughs> We're in the midst of uh, Star Trek, what is it, New Enterprise? Or, I don't know. Oh, dear, that one. Yeah. Anyway, it's go. quite fun. Oh, you guys live in paradise. It was going to get dire, so we decided we'd better get one. You know, ours, ours died this week. Oh, oh yeah. Really? really randomly, the TV just turned off. And, wow. And it's a newish TV. It's only a few years old. Um, right. And, yeah, so we, we are kind of – we're down to whatever USBs we can scrounge on the on the laptop, you know. There you go. Uh, well, we've, we've actually never had TV as such. It's always DVDs. So we don't have yeah. Netflix or anything like that. I suppose that makes a bit of a difference as well. Oh, we've got them all, but we try. We tend very carefully to avoid free-to-air television at all costs because it involves this this um, mind-numbing, brainwashing, uh, insidious thing called advertising. Um, yeah. And um, so we do do Netflix, but we we limit that to there's passworded for the different ranges of ages. The other thing I found is that it's terribly tempting to get sucked into social media. Or you know news reports. They call them news reports, but in fact, it's mostly olds. Um, you know, you, you see some brand new headline that claims to have some some new information, and you click on it, and you find out they're just repeating something from three days ago. But they've used the word COVID, or they've used you know some other some other word which has grabbed your attention. You think, oh, you got me again, and <laughs> I got sucked in to this whole world of news and stuff. So, and part of that, I found myself relaxing much more if I shut myself down and only look at social media maybe once or twice a day yeah just stay right away from it yeah um, i just find that i've got so, so much screen time with work at the moment that the idea of having even more is just really appalling yeah yeah i'm yeah. in agreement with you renee i'm just like whatever i can do to to get away from a screen because i have to spend yeah. my entire work day now <laughs> staring at it and all meeting like yeah. normally a work day you can break it up with meetings and you can go outside yep. and grab a coffee and different things but now yeah. it's like i have all my meetings and we have to meet a lot more now because we have to keep touching base and checking in and while it's a technological marvel that we can do all this it's just we i i, don't, I still don't think we fully appreciate the long-term implications of extended hours yeah. of screen time like i and so yep. yeah whatever i can do to get away with it physical books are definitely my my go-to i just have the, the texture, the the balance of natural light, being able to engage. We had this discussion, didn't we, Renee, a few yeah. a few episodes ago, where we talked about Kindles and physical books. Yeah, that's the right. physical. It's amazing how much the physical stuff matters in situations like this. The reality of it, given that this seems to be going to go on for some time, we're, we're going to be dealing with this whole touching base with reality and other people a lot. I've been holding um, coffee breaks with people, so friends who are working in other offices who I would occasionally drop in on and just have a coffee with occasionally. I'm just now meeting them up on, on online and just sitting with a coffee, not doing any business, just sitting and having a coffee together and talking about stuff. Um, that's been a, important, but it's no, no substitute. No. How, let's go to the bizarre kinds of things people are doing as a kind of a keep themselves busy i've seen a, online a whole bunch of people trying to recreate classic art so they, they <laughs> see a classic art pose and they dress the kids up in the in the exact you know or as close to the colors as they possibly can and try and capture the pose of the classic art or um famously one afl player isaac heaney he's a sydney swans player um He's getting into a bit of trouble because he's been seen doing water skiing on the dam in the back of his of one of the properties there, and the 
the huh. boat can barely do a circle in the dam and he's doing water skiing behind it in this little circle of a dam and he's doing some crazy things but have you guys um got any yourselves or have you heard of friends who are doing um interesting activities at home to sort of I reckon Renee's all over this. I reckon she'll have heaps of crazy stuff. Oh, really? She's doing. I've only seen stuff. Um, sure, Renee. Because I a friend speaking on behalf of a friend. I mean, yeah, this happened to a friend of mine. Yeah. They came home. No, they came home. They walked into the living room and found that they were being treated by their kids. So this is obviously not me. It really is a friend of mine being treated by their kids to a themed dinner party. So the kids Ooh. had fixed up the table in a certain way and had a menu on it and, you know, and it, and it was a theme. So I've seen that kind of thing going on. But otherwise, um, lots of cooking. So my friends tend to do lots of cooking and, and that's all really good. Uh, I am on one group through – I've got primary and secondary aged kids and one of my kids, um, I'm on a WhatsApp group with all of the mums. So it's been interesting to see how they're getting through it. They've definitely, when they've got younger kids, they've been sitting down with the kids and saying, okay, come up with some activities because let's face it, kids are far more creative than their parents most of the time. Um, what would you really like to do? So what would you like to eat? What would you like to make? What are some activities? And they've been kind of, you know, crowdsourcing that way in the home. I think that's been good. We've been really focused on school and work at the moment, uh, but a, a time will come when it's school holidays. And I think that will be interesting because we're used to going out to museums and, you know, doing fun stuff like that on school holidays and we won't be able to do that. So, yeah, we'll just have to improvise a bit, I think. I, I did suggest the themed dinner parties and it was met with a boo from my kids. So, uh, <laughs> I think they don't mind it if if their parents come up with the themed dinner parties. So it might have to be a collaborative effort. I'm waiting for people to start doing things like have a host, how to host a murder party via a, a meet like a Zoom meeting or something like that. Yeah. Um, or or something like that where there's a kind of a, a a fun role play murder mystery sort of thing that goes on in how to host a murder party, and you you just simply have your drink and your your dinner at home, but you join in like that. Or the kids um have talked about having like a Marvel dress up. Um, interaction online where they all make an effort to dress up as one of their favorite characters and and do silly things online in their meetings but there's also sorry a group that um are doing a thing called withdraw where they actually have yeah i've seen that a, a drawing that um is on a different theme every day and so everyone sort of posts the drawings they're doing it's to encourage our artistry and 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 to get out there what about school teachers uh, i mean it seems as if they're still running most of them are still working. Um, they, yeah, it seems and they're that they're working the exception in two ways. to the rule. Yeah. Our school teachers, big shout out to them. You can skip me at the end because I think the shout out needs to go to them. They're amazing. They mm. are not only looking after the kids who have to be at school because their parents don't have any other options, but they are also running on of all of this online stuff for the kids who are at home. And I know that they have a view on those who don't have internet at home. Um, or, do you, you know, just don't have the resources that some people have. It does worry me that we're in a situation as a society where those who have the resources in terms of communication and housing and everything else um, are okay. We really are okay. But there are other people out there who don't have what have become basics in our society. And so they're actually being cut off from 
education and all sorts of other things as well. So I think it's what we're going through right now has certainly brought to light just how many vulnerable people there are and in how many ways we are vulnerable. Um, the, I suppose the that would be a downside. An upside would be that we've become aware of how connected we are. Whether we like yeah. it or not is another issue, but we do actually all depend on each other to stop the spread of a virus for one thing, but also we do like seeing each other and, and hanging yeah. out and being interrupted. I wouldn't mind being interrupted at work um, one of these days <laughs> <laughs> instead of on well, a screen. <laughs> one of the things is that keeps coming up is how long we have to keep this up for. And um, there's been a lot of agitation, in particular in the States, it's a political thing, but in Australia it's mostly just among around the, the social media spheres, a lot of agitation that... Being shut in is just a, a bad imposition on our businesses and how long can they cope, cope with this and we should just stop it and just it's only old people that die anyway. I'm, I mean, I have a strong opinion on this with two vulnerable people in my house, but what do you guys think in, in, the, in regards to that? Because there are some arguments that people are making quite strongly that we shouldn't shut down as harsh as this and they're a bit worried about the police state. We just mentioned you can get an $1,800 fine if you go outside with more than a couple of people in, in New South Wales now. I reckon people should stop being idiots and then we wouldn't have to have fines like that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was about to throw to Cormac for his right-wing opinion on this. Uh, oh, really? And, oh, and, and, and here I was. I got, I got right. We'd found out on a yeah, podcast to where to all of our viewers that Callback is right wing anyway. Um, yeah. Whatever that means. <laughs> whatever that means. That's right. Funnily enough, now that you mention it, um, I do think it's interesting the comparisons between the way different countries can uh, approach. Uh, controlling the spread of the virus uh, and the different extremes to which the lengths you can which you can take uh, you can contrast um, for example the you could very blatantly call them you know draconian a lot of the measures that actually ended up happening in 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 China and um, uh, you know basically I saw footage of you know people being dragged from their homes by you know teams of big burly blokes in hazmat suits and dragged off into vans and driven off away to be isolated because, yes. you know, they wouldn't yeah. do it themselves kind of thing. Uh, and and comparing the examples that have come out of China, uh, you can look at the way Sweden is uh having a go at trying to control the virus, which is the exact opposite. Sweden's uh, restaurants, cafes, bars, social life, none of that has stopped. It's all its all still going. Uh, they have talked about having a very strong cultural sense of voluntarism, that people are very cooperative naturally, uh, and they're encouraging people rather than forcing people to you know, use their judgment to not overcrowd places to not go outside unnecessarily uh, and while it's from what I've been reading indeterminate whether it's a more effective approach yet they might know more in a little while's time the uh, comparative number of cases um, they have roughly the same number of cases I mean we, we, as we're recording this I'm realizing it's going to go to air much later but as we're recording this they have roughly the same number of cases as Australia they have only 10 million population and we have um, nearly three times that. 
Yeah, but um, what's our population versus the, the population density? Uh, you know, I don't think you can compare them that easily, but you can compare, say, a similar country in a similar area like Austria, which is a very similar population to Sweden, but has double the cases, but, but has a far more restrictive method in place. And so I don't think we know the, whether, whether Sweden's done it correctly or not, but I do think it's interesting to see that um, the one point I will make, and maybe it will get me into trouble, but I have not heard once in this entire saga the words united nations mentioned once and i think that <laughs> does this concern you no, do you want to a, hear those words no, i actually i actually rejoice at not hearing them at all i think it just sums up how useful an institution it actually is oh they, they, i think they're channeling everything through the world health organization aren't they i mean the world health organization seems to be the one that everyone's looking to for all these things Oh, yeah, yeah. The World Health Organization definitely does its thing, but we've not seen any kind of global coordinated response from a coalition of willing nations to d decide how we, uh, you know, are going to tackle this thing together. No, it's pretty much every country figure it out for yourself. The nation state is the one or the best placed mechanism of governance to be able to best, you know, manage people's movements. And, and that's so, an interesting yeah. observation. I actually agree with you on that one, Cormac, with the risk of sounding <laughs> that uh, I agree with somebody. They're agreeing. They're agreeing. You're, you're a right-winger. <laughs> I disagree about Sweden. You're both right-wingers. We can have an, an argument about Sweden at some other time. Um, they have some amazing amount more critical cases than anyone in their zone. They, they, have, a, they have double... You, I think you used Austria as an example. They have currently the double the number of critical cases of Austria, even though they have half the number of actual cases. So they're, they're, um, there's some dubious success they're having. But, yeah, but I'm, terms, not, I'm not endorsing the Sweden model. I will say I'm not endorsing the Sweden model. I'm just saying it is interesting seeing that every country is having to come up with its own approach. Yeah. But Can I just point that, out that Sweden is really not a right-wing nation at all? Like, they would be the other way. Totally it not. Would, so it was I think a shot just, at Cormac. Just for the record, having... the right-wing, left-wing stuff is not, it's is not just accurate. Bollocks. The way that you're doing it here it's is right. not right, guys. Peter's no. just sensitive, Renee. Oh. Yeah, too, because I teach political philosophy, as you know, Cormac. Uh, I do look, know. I, honestly, Renee, maybe you can correct me on this, but right and left is starting to lose its meaning in this, I mean, in the modern political world we used people talk about someone being conservative and you ask well what is it they're conserving and then they talk about being liberal i was accused of being a socialist yesterday uh because i'm in favor of the um the lockdown at present um socialist. this is socialist apparently because it's the government making the decision over the individual now i was trying to point out that socialism is a little more nuanced than that and that, uh, <laughs> and that even, in an a, age of even in a democracy, we have some <laughs> rules which are enforced on us, like speed limits, which are designed to stop the more reckless of us from endangering the rest of us. <laughs> but they, they weren't, you know, they then accused me of being a, um, a follower of Finnis and therefore a new natural law person and therefore an idiot. Wow. That was the literal flow of the conversation. So I wasn't terribly impressed with their argument, I have to say. Um, the... They're not the only person, though, throwing around these kinds of arguments. In the, in the States, there's a very strong argument for the liberty angle to be, you know, I should be free to do such and such. And in Australia, we've seen, practically speaking, we don't tend to argue about these things. We just do them. I mean, what happened on Bondi Beach? They said, everybody isolate. And then all these people just turned up to Bondi. And they said, I don't mind isolating. You guys should go everywhere else. I want to be here. And we saw the same in, in Victoria when they had the um, the warm day down there notice that was in the singular <laughs> the warm day down there they um they had you know lots of people out in public 
Uh, is it, I wonder in this case, should we be going with freedoms or, or are you concerned about the fact that governments seem to be clamping down on a certain type of freedom at the moment? Well, what I've seen is the kind of mounting level of frustration. Um, so when I said I think people should stop being idiots, I think that the it's actually been quite controlled in Australia at least. It's been step by step by step and you can almost hear the Premier of New South Wales even sort of the underlying cry is will you just stop and be sensible so that we don't have to bring in more measures anyway recently the police commissioner said um, that he really was not in favor of having to find people and would prefer not to have to find people and if people were being fined unreasonably then he would be the first to withdraw the fine and all of that kind of thing but if people are going to do stupid things really really stupid things like going to bondi you know, when they should actually be in quarantine. Backpackers um, hosting parties. Yeah, backpackers. <laughs> I know. I love our backpackers, but that was a silly thing to do. Uh, or if they are, you know, getting off a plane and then getting on public transport for a three-hour journey or a cruise ship. That's, I mean, they've traced back to three different sources. Most of the cases in, a, in New South Wales have been traced back to three sources, and one of those was the cruise ship that let people off and go all throughout Australia without going through the proper quarantine or testing protocols. Mm. I mean, that's just stupid. It really is. And it's, um, it's potentially that deaths have come from that. Yes. So, and, and that and means that people and, need to be held accountable be for that back. kind of decision-making. Yeah, that's right. But having said that, there's, a, there's an, an un, an undue amount of fear for some of these things. There's there's a danger that, for example, uh, there's reports of someone who happened to be of of, of Asian uh, appearance uh, being abused and attacked on on a public transport because they coughed and they were they happened to look Asian. You know, it's kind of a this bizarre kind of reaction we have. It's completely People are rational. Very afraid. Yeah, and I think that reaction's happening everywhere. I mean, my my yeah. one of my younger brothers, I think, sneezed on the train, uh, on the bus rather, and I think half the bus just moved to the front from the back. You know, it's like, <laughs> I think it's pretty indiscriminate. People are just terrified. Yeah. So what you're saying yeah, is that he got right. a, he got a good seat on the bus. So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so. It pays to be a social and and somewhat um, introverted. I find these days. Hmm. As soon as meetings started to be cancelled and events started to be cancelled, I was just like, yes. I mean, now it's sort of gone too far. But I think the introverts out there are having a better time of it. Yeah, yeah I did see the, the I did see a, a mate of mine yeah, put up the meme, say, you know, check in on your extroverts. We are not okay. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. Or another one that said, it's okay, introverts have been preparing. The, you know, they've got this one. They've been preparing for this yeah, all their life. Even, even your yes. average introvert, introvert needs a fair bit more social contact than this. That's that's I the interesting say. thing because I would, I would have called myself an extrovert um, 10 years ago, but just my desire for a bit of peace is the fact that I feel like I've got so much to do that I can't fit it all in and I just want some space to fit it all in. But as soon as I get space, like if I have to sit here for one day or something, I start looking around for some kind of engagement with people. Mm. It's a it's a funny thing, and we we I guess you don't really know what you got until you've not got it anymore, until yeah. it's gone. And perhaps, hopefully, what this this um, crisis will do is make us realise how much we actually appreciate the privilege of everyday routine, um, how much we should appreciate it rather, and how much we could in fact count our blessings when we have to deal with those, those slightly annoying people um, on the train or at work or wherever we're going. 
yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think for, uh, things like this help us to re refocus on what matters. And um, for those people who have loved ones absent, you know, that that hopefully will make them appreciate that much more when they when they have them back. I think that's the essential takeaway. Just picking up what you said there about having that. Um, that refocus and that ability to uh, have in terms of the ways, the best ways that we can kind of cope, I find getting up in the morning, for, like committing to a regular routine. I think one of the worst things you can do for those of us who are working at home is roll out of bed and turn on your laptop and start. So I think that's a really big temptation that I face because oh, it's right there. I can just get into it. And then I, and I always think if I start really early, I can finish really early because, you know, government, we work flexibly. So we have that, that, that wonderful advantage of being able to do that. But then I end up just staying working the normal hours anyway so um and then you end up going insane from all the screen time so having a really good routine in place where yeah i find this has been one of the one of the best things so yeah that's that's my key takeaway for today anyway hmm. i'd agree with that the routine thing has been good and getting dressed up like you're going to work and um and then the, the key is to actually clock off for me i've got to actually find a time to clock off and actually spend some time with the kids and be a bit downtime do something silly maybe maybe the person who went into their shower and held onto the rail and pretended to be on the subway <laughs> maybe yeah. i need to find myself a seat and pretend i'm on the train for two and a half hours and read my book or something <laughs> do you you mentioned being able to clock off do you have a shutdown process something that you do to, to kind of make yourself make that transition absent of the commute that would normally be that, that that's process. actually probably a really good point cormac because i usually commute come home have dinner with the kids and then i go back to work on my desk the shutdown process for me is utter exhaustion. So I get to the point where I can't keep my eyes open. So I roll it, you know, I just stagger off from my office area to in my bed and just hit my bed. So when I'm trying to to find a more reasonable way to get to bed, <laughs> I just my brain's just still going. So um, something I do is listen to my favorite music for a while, just sort of wind down, just to make the space to spend a half an hour or so with music or occasionally i'll watch some um stand-up comedy that that works for me depending on the comedian <laughs> but generally speaking reading a book is a very good thing um that's my favorite go-to some some very bad space opera <laughs> like some, some sort of sci-fi <laughs> drama um war thing which is kind of fun so oh yeah. that's pretty cool oh yeah they go no because it was a good point that yeah i i think you make there about just yeah being able to do something different you know to 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 change your headspace um i think the little process that i do is i actually shut down the computer like i actually turn it off switch everything off and then i actually pack it away now i work with a laptop and i work with uh right. keyboard and mouse that are bluetooth operated so there's all these different pets and pieces and headsets and whatever flying around the place right. so i actually physically put them away and then have to get them out at the start of the day. So for me, that's just like a little two-minute routine right. where I've actually cleared the space. That's almost um, somehow clearing my mind as well and saying, yep, I've officially yeah, sure. made the transition and getting changed as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Well, it's time for wrapping up this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing with your podcast device, let us know. You can subscribe at thiscatholiclife.com.au. You can tell us what you liked or what you didn't like um, by joining us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Discord, uh, or giving us a, an email at info at thiscatholiclife.com.au. Write us a review. Tell everyone else about us. This is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast. We think that's an idea worth getting behind. Now, Renee's already forfeited her shout-out because she shouted out to all the school teachers out there. So we'll move over to you, Cormac. 
Sure. Um, I actually would like to give a, a little shout out to uh, a group of very faithful listeners to the podcast who uh, we had a little discussion about potential topics during a, a little Zoom catch up uh, very recently. Uh, and so the, to those You're listeners... You're going to be forwarding me those topics uh, soon, aren't you? I absolutely will be. Don't you worry. It's it's coming soon. Um, but but the listeners, especially in, in, in Tamworth, in Bacchus Marsh and in Cogra, uh, they'll, they'll know who they are. But I just want to give a special shout out to them for their uh, constant, uh, effective feedback and 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 faithfulness <laughs> to listening to the podcast. Where we love your work. Excellent, excellent. Um, my shout out uh, is to those students who are still plugging, going strong in spite of the fact that some of them have lost their jobs and they're and they're in difficult circumstances and they're studying at home or they're studying in very difficult uh, surroundings because their family aren't used to having them dealing with these sorts of things. More power to you. Keep, um, hope you keep the joy of learning, the joy of uh, discovering new things. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. Mm-hmm.